Welcome to the State of Fem Art Podcast, a space where we drive conversations around what it means to be woman creatively and artistically in today's industry. A place where women from various walks of life share their experiences, triumphs, and obstacles as they navigate the state of the world and their creativity. This is a safe space. One where women are celebrated for being fearlessly and unapologetically them. It is a space of belonging for those who feel their artistic and creative endeavors have gone unseen, unheard, or unsupported. But here you will also get resources and tools to help you reach your next level. We'll laugh together, cry together, but more importantly, we'll grow together. I am Tamia Faulkner, and this is The State of Fem Art. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest. She is doing so much in the art space, especially when it comes to activism through art. I'm so excited to welcome Autumn Brian. Autumn, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you. <laughs> Can you tell our uh, listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is you do as an artist? Yes, yes. Uh, my name is Autumn Brian, and I am a native of South Central Los Angeles. I live and work in Los Angeles now, and I, I work to investigate this question of what reality exists when, when we unlock a new reality beyond an identity that's based around inferiority. So my work is to investigate that question through creating the visual vocabulary for the, the new world that I want to live in, the reality that I imagine and that I think people are deserving of. So instead of investigative journalism, investigative art. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, like, when, when I speak about the world that I want to live in, I, I feel like it's my job to create, like, the visual breadcrumbs for that world to exist now and for us to, like, know the path to making it a reality. No, I think that's so dope. So uh, recently you worked on a project really covering um, – equality and pay as well as just gender gaps overall and I want to talk about your recent project Don't Use Me. What inspired that project? My mood board for Don't Use Me is all over the place. I was inspired by Biddy Mason. I was inspired by this idea of manipulating time. Uh, I'm inspired by Sun Ra. Uh, I was inspired by, by really just like, I, I needed a different way to see Black women's pay inequity. Um, because I, I was familiar with the statistics r related to money. So the amount that we're paid on the dollar compared to white men. I knew that Black women are paid 63 cents on the dollar. But I, I really wanted to understand our labor through time as well. And if you use the same data that we have about the gender and racial pay gap, it takes a black woman on average eight months into the next year to earn what a white man did in 365 days. 
So, isn't that wild? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I had the same reaction when, when I understood that. I found it ridiculous. And I automatically started thinking of what I would do with that amount of time. If I had eight months of paid time, what could I do with it? And I take my time so seriously, like professionally, personally. And time is capital. So it, it just... Right? Yeah, I think people don't realize that. I mean, to me, time is a greater commodity than actual mm-hmm. money because mm-hmm. there's so much you can, you cannot, you can reinvest, regain your money. You cannot get your time back. You can't get your time back. Exactly. Right. I need to reclaim my time. Yes. world we occupy space as black women our bodies are politicized our experience is politicized without any consent we, we didn't choose this body to occupy so when we think about time that way that also means that you lose time just for being born a black woman wow wow so i i'm, I'm spending so much time but I, my, my first reaction was this shock um then thinking about what I would do with this time if I had it back. But then I just started wondering, well, what would other Black women do with reclaimed time? I, and when I learn about something, I become obsessive about it. Um, and I also, once I start to understand an issue after I've like, or any kind of problem, after I've like picked it apart as much as I can and looked at it from several angles, I have this excitement that I want to share with the people around me where I want them to experience uh, th- that same kind of intellectual curiosity. So I was curious about what other Black women would do at this time. So I started asking them, and I created this website uh, with a really simple one-question survey uh, asking Black women what they would do with eight months of the time that they deserve back. That, that's profound work. And I, I want to dig a bit deeper here because I know as an artist and curator, especially being a Black woman, I'm wondering through your experience in exploring inequities within equal pay and gender gaps within the workforce for Black women, what has your experience been in the art space when it comes to those same inequities? Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> pay inequity exists across industries. Um, and it's not because black women aren't, aren't asking for promotions, um, don't have like the same level of education. Like we represent like one of the most educated demographics um, and Black women, according to several different reports, are actually advocating for themselves for, uh, for promotions, for, for higher paying positions, as much as white men are. They just aren't receiving the promotions. And the pay gap actually increases with the, the more education that black women have. So that exists within the arts as well, but what makes it a unique issue is that there is not an HR department for the art world. It's an unregulated market. That part, <laughs> that part right there. 
There is no HR department for the art world. Boom. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. It's it's so crazy that you mentioned that because I think of, about the Black women artists who deserve to be commissioned and get some of these larger mm-hmm. exhibitions and uh, really be on the art auction mm-hmm. circuit and receive equal, you know, equal pay and equal income from the production yes. of their art, right? Because it takes yeah. the same time. It takes... The same mental power, it is coming from a place of um, really unique creativity. And again, as you mentioned, you know, one thing that I heard is it was research. You know, you you put in the research, you did uh, the work that it took to create what you were so passionate about around a topic that really needs to be discussed. And so... It's it's crazy that you mentioned there is no HR department mm-hmm. for the art world. So how can women artists, especially Black women artists, advocate for themselves in those spaces? And what has your experience been in advocating for yourself where there mm-hmm. is no mm-hmm. HR department? Yeah, yeah. and, and a, a, a part of what we have to do is what you just said, self-advocate. And that's been... Um, one of the biggest lessons uh, from from making art, from working um, in art, that you just have to get really comfortable and good, and ad- comfortable with and good at advocating for yourself. Um, but 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 some things that work for me that are important um, are are really just like having a, a tribe. Uh, like the folks that I can can tap on and have transparent and honest conversations with. Um, that that's been something that's a, a really important solution for me. Um, also, being honest about my own experience to invite other Black women to do the same, um, so that we aren't working in isolation. That that's so important, and and that's a part of what's so tough about about the problem of pay inequity because talking about money uh, is taboo for a lot of folks still. Um, And that's something that we have to change. We have to have open conversations about pay. We need pay transparency. Uh, We have to talk about our experiences to, to call folks out that are doing some shady stuff when it comes to paying folks, but also so that we can identify and test solutions more quickly with, with a tribe of folks. No, I totally agree. And I also think about art and advocacy. And there's this question of if the two can coexist. And I'm sure you've heard this in different industry across different industries, but especially within uh, the art space, within entertainment, music. It's sort of this thing of stick to the art or stick to the music, you know, and some artists are actually, if if we're being frank, scared to speak out and, and do the advocacy work because of the implications of, you know, being blacklisted or ousted or labeled in a certain way. And so can mm-hmm. you speak to that? Do you feel art and advocacy um, should coexist? And 
in what ways do you feel those who are a little hesitant to really advocate for the things that they they really want to for the sake of being outsted as an artist or a creative or, or being blocked from specific opportunities because they speak out on those things that are important to them, you know, what advice would you give to them? Well, I can, I can speak for myself. My, my art and advocacy do coexist because they are one and the same. My art is advocacy. I, yeah. I, I, so I, can, I cannot separate the two. Um, my creative practice and social practice feed each other. They're in a symbiotic relationship with each other. Um, so, like, like, even with this piece, like, yes, there was an aesthetic. Yes, there were, were objects that were a part of, of a performance. But in, with that piece, the art was also the organizing of other black women to and amplifying and the and the amplifying of their voices, the, the amplifying of their own words. So that that is the art for me and I would never try to separate the two. Um, and when it comes to other artists that 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 question uh, whether they they can participate participate in, in advocacy I feel like we have no choice to, like there is so much at stake and to operate from fear is so counterproductive to, to us moving forward. And I, I guess my advice would be for those artists is to consider where you can advocate for yourself, where you can advocate for others, even in small ways. What are the ways that you can center care instead of harm in your practice um, because it, it, does, it does not have to be and it should not be a scary idea to advocate. And, and I, that is the part, I, I believe that's a part of the responsibility that we have as creatives. Yeah, no, it, it definitely shouldn't be a, a scary thing to advocate to your point. And, you know, I think about just, those who are <laughs> suffering in silence because they may not be as as confident or as bold to step out and you know I think what you said is important a lot of the times for artists you know your art and advocacy are in a symbiotic relationship because of the fact that it stems from from what you're passionate about and you know what you are invested in as a creative and artist um so for you as a creative, because I feel like creation happens in phases and who you were as an artist five years ago isn't going to be the same as who you are or your approach um, today. So for you, what is yeah, your, it shouldn't be. Yeah. What is what is your approach to creative projects? Because I'm sure, of course, you collaborate on, on different projects and then there's also projects that. Um, you do and, and launch on your own. So what is your approach to the creative process? Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, my my approach is, is actually like really influenced by the scientific method. Um, and I think that might come from my, my background as an engineer. Like, I, I don't separate like, creativity from science. Yes, come on, engineer. 
So I, you know, I, I like to start um, when when I identify the issue or the problem. I I kind of visualize like the different solutions as like the different ways that I can express um, the idea that I feel like I, I need to express. It's it's usually it's usually like something where where words just aren't enough for me to to get the idea out. Like 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 with don't use me. I I knew that I couldn't just like write an essay or 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 just have a discussion about it. Like this was something that I felt like needed needed sound, needed visuals, needed tactile interaction in order for for people to deeply resonate with this issue and find ways that they could could act on it and advocate for black women on their own. I, I knew that that was important. And that's common for a lot of the work that I do. Like, I like to engage as many senses as possible, as many senses of the audience as possible. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, I test out, <laughs> like, the experimentation process is me, like, testing out the different ways that I can execute on what I'm imagining. Um, and then once I see what passes like my rubric of what I know has to be a part of like the finished product. When I get to test it over and over again, and I find something that, that I feel like fulfills the design element, that's when I keep on expanding it and push whatever that is further. That, that's usually what my, what my approach is like. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm wondering, of course, because it's Women's History Month and, and speaking about creative process, are there any women who have inspired you as an artist or um, your creative process? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm... Let's run them down. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm inspired by ancestors, but I'm also inspired by contemporaries. Um, I think of Edmonia Lewis. Um, I'm really inspired by Allison Starr, Nicolene Thomas, Patrice Cullors, uh, Trisha Hersey. Um, yeah, those are a lot of badass women artists that, that inspire my work and also inspire inspire like the framework that I use to to look at the world and, and they inspire how I think. Now, Ammonia Lewis is is one for me. Um absolutely. And I think too just, you know, as a as a creative, as an artist, you find yourself around people who do what you do. So other artists and creatives who really help you to push the envelope and think outside of um, your scope or your context, but be able to create something new based upon that inspiration. And when I say new, new for you, you know, something that may be outside of the comfort zone of what um, you typically do. And again, speaks to that evolution of just being a creative and being an artist, you know, you're not the same. You should never stay the same from one moment to the next. Mm-mm, mm-mm, not at all. So, of course, you know, as as an artist, as a Black woman artist, 
I know and I'm sure there have been, of course, rewards, setbacks, you know, milestones that you ha- you've had creatively. So I'm going to ask you this. Uh, first, we'll start. First, we'll start with, you know, setbacks. What have been some of the setbacks that you've experienced as a woman in the art space? Oh, <laughs> the disease of, of low expectations. Um, yeah, just folks that that use their own um, like broken ways of thinking and, and how they perceive you. And, and having low expectations as a as a result of that, um, I mean, being objectified. Um, unfortunately, like many of these issues are are what they 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 aren't specific to me. Uh, they're what a lot of Black women have experienced within the arts and and just within this world. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's why. It's it's so important to me um, to be honest about some of these setbacks because it's easy for us to to share the shiny parts and and to talk about the successes, but it's just as important, if not more important, to really talk about um, some of the tough parts um, because, as I said, like it it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like, if it's happening to you, it's probably happened to other folks, too. And you also aren't the first person to experience it. So what, what has helped me when I've experienced, like, those tough parts of the journey, it's, it's my tribe, uh, the, the folks that I can go back to um, to share how I feel in an honest way, but also the folks that, my, my team that helps me problem solve, um, my 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 mentors and my community um, that I can go to. That that's been so important to me um, in my journey. That's why these conversations are so important because other women need to know that they're not alone in their um, experience. And I feel oftentimes mm-hmm. we do have those conversations in in solo in silos amongst. Um, of course, those who we know, those who we're comfortable with. And I think it's important to create public safe spaces where women feel Mm -hmm. good enough to be honest about their experience so that as the next woman is navigating through a similar um, experience that they can really rely on and relate to and refer <laughs> to those who have already gone through it before them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That That's the responsibility that we have to each other. That's absolutely true. Um, I'm thinking about the, the preparation for Don't Use Me. And during one of our re- rehearsals, like just, just a walkthrough of the site, uh, the police called, were called um, on somebody on my team. Wow. Yeah. During during the site walkthrough. Yeah, yeah. We were practicing for the performance in downtown LA and someone called the police on us. <laughs> um, <and laughs> it was, 
exhausting, obviously. Um, it, it was just, it, it, it really felt like a snapshot of why we had to do the work that we were doing. Like, it felt like the, the punch-in-the-face reminder. Um, and it, I... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that that's the kind of behavior that I talk about when I when I say harmful behavior. That's so insane to me that that you would be working on, you know, you would be working on this piece and you're doing the work that you do as an artist only to be subjected to these societal, unfortunately, norms. I mean, people don't feel like, it's 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 normal because it shouldn't be normal but you know racial profiling is one of those things that it just unfortunately is an experience that i feel a lot of us have gone through and yeah. you know it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you are within your career within your life and that is why the work that you do is so important. But for you to experience that while creating and while doing something that is meant for, you know, good and um, progression towards just educating people and making sure that people are aware of inequities that you experience and inequity while, you know, doing that work. That's so insane to me. It's, it's, Uh, it's insane. It really is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just like, yo, like, why do we have to have our cortisol levels raised during Black Futures Month? At all, like, of, of all the times, it was, yeah, that's yeah. why. That is wild. So, so getting, you know, getting into the good stuff, the rewards, the mouth. <laughs> yes. Um, because you know, I think there are moments to be celebrated that we'll never forget. As artists and creatives, what have some of those moments been for you? Some of those milestones that you look back or some of those rewarding moments where you look back and say, this was totally worth it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm, you're right. It is extremely important to celebrate the win. We have to. I am trying to get better at doing that myself. Um, that, that's something that I've been trying to be very, very intentional about. Um Mm. You know, there was was a moment when we had the celebration after the performance um, during Freeze Week, and we we celebrated at Blackbird House. Uh, Blackbird Collective hosted us. Uh, Blackbird is a Black woman-owned social club. Yes, I remember when they opened Yes! Have you gone to the new space, the Blackbird 2.0? No, I haven't gone to the new space. I was, uh, I went a few years back to the, I think it was the very first um, space that they um, had. They had like a, a grand opening, which was really, mm-hmm. really dope. But I haven't been back since the pandemic, so I need to go back. 
Yes, yes, you absolutely should. Um, we celebrated um, on the the terrace at, at Blackbird House, and it was just such a beautiful culmination of of that part of the performance. So, uh, Crowns and Hops Beer, uh, which is also a Black woman owned, uh, Black owned, uh, one of the co-founders of the Black Woman uh, Beer Company, that here in Inglewood, uh, and Colexo, uh, this cannabis sparkling water uh, company that is, is also Black woman-owned. Uh, we, they, they provided, like, all of these great beverages that we had that night. And it was Toni Morrison's birthday, the day that the L.A. debut of Don't Use Me happened. And we all just shared Based together that night and I felt so moved because the black women that helped make Don't Use Me happen, we were all able to celebrate in a safe space that was like a snapshot of the world that I envisioned where black women are safe to, to play, to rest, and to really, like, paint our own portrait of freedom. And I felt so full. I felt so, so full. And the, the founders of Sip and Sonder, uh, this fantastic coffee shop in Inglewood that just opened their outpost location at the music center, uh, they are the ones that, that created the space for us to do this performance. Um, all of these women were there at the, at the celebration, uh, along with just, like, really fantastic people that are a part of, of my community. And I felt so good because I felt like if the performance was was sharing the inequities, sharing Black women's work, but also sharing our imagination and sharing what we will have when we reclaim our time, I felt like that night was a further celebration of that and it felt so good that that was definitely a win for me that is so dope what we will have when we reclaim our time and you being able to share that space with you know people that you created with as well as black women founders who are also um very much involved in their own endeavors supporting um that time for you and and the your team and I think that's that's super dope. So what are some of the current projects that you're delving into? Yeah, yeah. So um, on International Women's Day, March 8th, I am dropping an NFT with voice. Uh, Let's go! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't know much about NFTs, crypto art, but... I just became so curious and had that same like obsessive kind of research that I got to do to understand it. Um, and so as, as we like enter this reality of the metaverse, right? Like we talked about the reality of inequity within the art world. I think like U.S. museum collections on average have like most of their permanent collections are from white artists, uh, 85% are from white artists, 87% are male artists. So 
now that we are exploring what what NFT art is, 70%, over 70% of NFT art sales are going to male creators. And I was just like, oh my God, we cannot repeat the same mistakes as we enter into a brand new reality. Like, yeah. yeah. So it frustrated me so much. But as I was learning about NFTs, I was really interested in this idea of a permanent ledger that exists um, over blockchain and, and the ability to, to share profits in perpetuity. So I had this idea to mint an artifact from the performance as an NFT, and every Black woman that participated by sharing her response, I'm, I'm sharing them uh, as co-creators for the NFT. Every Black woman that participated in Don't Use Me by sharing their reclamation of time is being written in as a co-creator for this NFT so that profits will be shared in perpetuity with the Black women that participated in this project. And as a direct action against pay inequity. That is so dope. That is so dope. Thank you. Thank I can't you. wait until it drops. Yes. International Women's Day. Yeah. Everyone pull up and support this NFT drop by Autumn Brian. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so excited that I got the opportunity to, to speak with you. Uh, can you let our listeners know where they can connect with you, follow you, Pull up at one of your art shows. Yes, yes. Uh, my my handle is my name, Autumn Brian. Uh, that's what I am on Instagram, on Discord, uh, and that's a great place to follow all of the the fun stuff that's coming next with Don't Use Me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the State of Film Art Podcast. You can catch new episodes bi-weekly on Thursdays. And make sure that you connect with us by following us on Instagram at SoFilmArt. And you can also visit our website and listen to past episodes at SoFilmArt.com.